Hey, last week was uh, an incredible weekend. Uh, the first Sunday in May, typically we would receive our Endeavor Spring Offering, which is a big opportunity for all of us to sow into the mission and the cause of the house. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who participated in that. And we're just believing God to return blessing to you for the seed that you've sown. You know, I'm listening to Jessica talk about her children being raised here and the people who minister uh, to her kids in children's classrooms. And the truth is, you know, you may not ever feel like you're called to go into one of those classrooms, but by sowing, you can have an impact on the next generation. And, uh, and that's just one place uh, of many, many places that uh, we can all be involved. And you might have come into last week or maybe you're coming in this week and you're thinking, I don't really have any, uh, anything that I can give. Well, the Bible does say God supplies seed to sowers, so everybody has something. But I would encourage you, if you, uh, if you could even make a monthly uh, commit to help us, uh, those, those help us out a ton. And we have ongoing commitments to um, the bank for a mortgage. Uh, uh, we have ongoing commitments to local ministries and uh, global ministries that we honor every month. Uh, there are people literally that we have supported for over 30 years, never missed a month. Uh, and we're able to, yeah, we're, never, we're able to do that because of Endeavor Partners. So, you know, you might step back and go, well, I don't know if I, if I like kids. Well, okay. I, I don't know if I like missions, Okay then what do you like? But, uh, but I just want to encourage you to, to step in and everybody can be a part of this. And so uh, if you were not able to bring your, uh, your gift last week, we'll receive it this week still. If you are able to make some kind of monthly commit, that helps us a lot. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you to the four of you who think that's wonderful and clap your hands. Appreciate that. Really do. Hey, we're talking about the concept of win the day. Everybody say win the day. Win the day. And uh, we're building out of a book that Mark Batterson wrote called Win the Day. Uh, we have small groups that are meeting to discuss and pray and uh, build relationships and just talk about uh, these things as well as to eat together, which is always a very good thing. Um, but the big idea to me as I am going through this uh, material, which is so good, is that if, if, you, if we can learn to string together a bunch of individual winning days, uh, you eventually create a winning life. And so uh, as we started out with this, we kind of pursued the idea that it's hard to win this day when you're carrying the baggage of yesterday. Um, and so we talked about learning how to flip the script, how to, how to, how to see it different, how to, how to uh, lens it different than you did before. I think Joseph is one of the best examples of that. His brothers, his family was dysfunctional, mistreated him. But he said, you intended for evil, but God intended it for good. He flipped the script. Uh, and you can do the same we talked about kiss the wave and just learning to embrace the things that come into life and learn the lessons that are there. Uh, and then we spent a couple of weeks talking about how to win this day, eat the frog and fly the kite. And 
I'm not going to go back and review all those messages, but we're going to shift gears now and talk about winning the day with, with the future in mind. And the title for today is Cut the Rope. Everybody say, Cut the Rope. Everything that exists starts as a thought. So every, everything from uh, this pulpit, these glasses, the seat you're in, the car you drive, these buildings, um, our city, it, it also, it, everything begins as a thought. Somebody has a thought. Your future begins in the vision that you have for your future. That's the beginning point for where, where we're gonna go. What are you thinking? What, what is your vision uh, in mind for? Uh, you and I exist because we were a thought in the heart of God. He did not have one of you, so he, <laughs> he created one of you. And however you got into the planet, uh, is not nearly as much consequence as the fact that God put you in this planet with giftings, with talents, with anointings, with individual unique perspective in life that you can make a difference. Your life is intended for purpose. Your life is intended to make a difference. You, you started as a thought in the heart of God. But it's what we do with that thought that determines whether something will happen or not. Because just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's going to manifest itself in your life. It starts as a thought, and every, every miracle happens twice. Every, every manifestation, I should say, happens twice. The concept of it first begins within you. It's a thought, it's a dream, it's a nudge, it's a hunch, it's an idea. And then it eventually will manifest itself in the natural realm. So first it's in before it's out. The thoughts you're thinking are eventually going to manifest somehow. So there's a man named Elisha Otis. And uh, if you ever have ride on an elevator, you have seen that often, Otis Elevators. El Elisha Otis was the inventor of the safety brake for elevators. Um, elevators had existed for several years before Elisha Otis came on the scene, but people were hesitant to ride those elevators because they felt like they were unsafe. If you're five stories up, 10 stories up, the rope breaks and you just go crashing down. I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought about being in an elevator and like if the rope would break. I always think, you know what I'll do? I'll just wait till we're just about to hit the ground and jump up. <laughs> anybody ever have that thought? Come on, anybody have that thought? You got to have that thought because I have it. Every time I get in the elevator, I'm ready to jump up right before it hits the ground. But no need. Uh, Elisha Otis, uh, in uh, the first World's Fair that was held in, in New York, uh, actually demonstrated something he invented called the uh, safety elevator brake. 
Um, and the way he did that was he gathered a crowd around and he, he stood on an elevator platform and he had somebody take an ax and cut the rope uh, and, and people thought he would go plummeting down to injury or death, but the, the safety brake that he invented kicked in and he saw, boom, it just fell down a little bit, just a little bit. And he yelled out, all safe, all safe. And the concept behind what we're going to talk about for a few moments today is this, is you have to learn to cut the rope to let the elevator fall to the safe place. Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about that until elevators existed, skyscrapers didn't really exist because who wants to walk up 22 flights of stairs every day, right? Who wants to walk up uh, into a sky? So people kept buildings kind of low and not that many stories. And uh, it was after elevators were embraced, after Elisha Otis created this safety break, that buildings began to grow taller and taller and taller. The, The acceptance of elevators opened up a whole new approach to building taller buildings. And it's a concept that's called the adjacent possible. The adjacent possible. In other words, a a safe elevator makes a skyscraper possible. Uh, Microchips make a smartphone possible. They say that we have more computing power in our phones today than was literally in the rocket that landed on the moon in the 60s. The adjacent possible is, is, a, is a, I like the way Mark Patterson said it, it's a future shadow. It's not far off, but it's a little ways off. It's, it's right there, just on the edge of new possibility. Your future, my future, is really found in our next step. Having a thought is good. Having good thoughts is good. But eventually, there has to be just a step, just a move into the next chapter, the next phase. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, this is Jesus, uh, John chapter 5, and uh, it says there, John 5 verse 2, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is in Hebrew, uh, Bethesda, having five porticos. In these porticos lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. They were waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool, stirred up the water, and whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. There was a man who was there who had been ill for 38 years. That's a long time to be in a condition, 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been a long time 
in that condition. So he said to him, do you want to get well? It's a good question. Because when you've been doing something for 38 years, you think that's the way life is. Or at least that's the way life is for me. The sick man answered him and he said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps down before me. Somebody's always beaten me to the punch. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, began to walk. It was the Sabbath on that day. I think this story is, it's one of my favorites. This man was fixated on one way to be healed. Jesus says, do you, do you want to get well? His, his, his first thought, his first word showed what he was thinking. Well, uh, well every time the angel comes, somebody beats me into the pool. He was... He, he was, had over 38 years, had become fixated on this is the way to be healed, to be well. And I think it's interesting because actually, I don't have time to read the whole story, but I do have another observation to make on the story. But if you keep reading on, you'll find out that he didn't even know who Jesus was. Like, he didn't know, it wasn't like, oh, here comes Jesus, the Son of God, of course. It was somebody introduced to him an idea. And Jesus completely bypasses the way he'd been thinking for 38 years and just tells him, get up. Just Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up and do something. Get up and take a step into your adjacent possible. It's just a step, but it might be a new step for you. It might be a new way for you. Uh, And I want to say to you today that as you envision a future that is greater than your today, which we all have the potential for in which God does want to take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from grace to grace, right? There's more than one way to get your answer. I'm going to try this side of the room because I don't know if they heard me over there. There's more than one way to get your answer. And I think it's interesting uh, further in the story uh, after this has, has happened Jesus uh, is saying to them in John uh, 5, children, uh, 
you don't have any fish, do you? They've been out fishing. They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find a catch. Now, come on. You've been, I've been fishing on this side of the boat. Jesus says, cast the net on that side of the boat. Like that's a big difference. I'm not an expert fisherman, but come on. Right? Like there's a big difference between the left side of the boat and the right side of the boat. But Jesus says, cast your net on the right side of the boat, you'll find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not even able to haul it all in because of the great number of fish. Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat. No, no, no real reason, no, no, no sense, if you will, in casting the net on the right side of the boat, except Jesus said to do it. Can anybody hear what I'm just said? There, there's no, you don't, you don't have to work out hieroglyphics. You don't have to work out on your computer, your calculator. You don't have to work it out. It's just a word from Jesus. Just take a step. Like you're on this side of the boat, take a step to this side of the boat. It was a move to the adjacent possible. I, contained in all this is this. Jesus was the one that says to the guy laying by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, get up. A, a word from God makes all the difference. A, a word from God generates its own fulfillment. A word from God releases the miraculous. You're not miraculous. You just went from one side of the boat to the other because Jesus said, go to that side of the boat. You just, you've been laying there waiting for somebody to not beat you to the water gets stirred and Jesus says, get up. <laughs> get, get up. It's just that easy. A word from God contains the creative power to cause something to happen. And those words that come are not jump off the cliff, right? They're just make a move, get up. Cut the rope. Later on in the story, Jesus says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And Jesus said, so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Jesus is saying, all right, let's have breakfast now. I don't like fish for breakfast, but if Jesus is providing it, I'd do it. 
But let me just say, 153 fish is far more than you need for breakfast. Hello? When God supplies, he supplies in abundance. And what I want you to hear somewhere in that faith part of your soul is a recognition that who knows whether your 153 fish are just awaiting your next move of obedience. It's not a big move. It's just a move. It, it is you can pick up the pallet you've been lying on. You can, instead of wallowing in, everybody else is getting healed but me. You can just get up and do something. And I don't know what Jesus would be telling you to do, but I mean, it's quite possible he could just be saying to you, hey man, start reading your Bible every day. It's not that hard. It's just the adjacent possible. Hey listen, Jesus might be saying to you, why don't you volunteer on a team in your church? not that hard. Why don't you get in a rock group? It's not that hard. Why don't you show up at church most every Sunday? It's not that hard. Hello. I mean, the truth is, Jesus could be saying to you, why don't you get up and go for a walk? Jesus might be saying to you, how about you just save a little bit out of every paycheck? How about, how about you start to shift your friendship tribe just a little bit? Because you got to think about this guy. I mean, he's been laying there for 38 years, getting up and moving on. It's a small move that turns into a big move. It's really going to mean a whole different life. Because if you've been 38 years lying down, waiting for something to happen for you, it starts to affect the way you think. It starts to affect the way you live. It starts to affect your expectations or lack thereof. And this guy's used to hanging around people who are sick and unhealthy and around this pool. Jesus says, get up and walk. Guess what? Might mean new friends. It's just, it's just a move, but all of a sudden you're walking away from that group into another group. It, it might mean a new way to live. It's certainly going to mean a new self-identity. It's not a big move, 
But it's a move that turns into a big thing. It's, it's a new mindset towards life. Uh, imagining your tomorrow doesn't mean you have to figure out every facet of the future. It's just mustering the courage to take the next step. I've been a believer just a couple of years, and uh, our church was small in New Orleans, and um, we didn't really have much in terms of development of ministry or anything like that. So I had spent my uh, high school years working in a grocery store. I was very familiar with the whole grocery store world. My next door neighbor uh, was uh, like a manager of a sales group that serviced uh, stores. And I'm right here, I'm in this throes of trying to decide what am, what am I gonna do next? Am I gonna go to Bible college, which I was thinking about, at the same time, this guy's offering me a job. Company car, woohoo! Uh, company car, salary, benefits, potential. And I'm thinking, what am I gonna do? Which, 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 what, what am I gonna take a step toward? And I'm, and I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit is saying to me, I want you to, I want you to go to, Bible college. Let me just say one decision changes your life. Because when I went to Bible school, I'll tell you, it, what shifted in me for sure was I learned you could live in victory every day of your life. I didn't understand that before. I always thought I was in, my emotions would tell me what to do. Every day, I learned you can live in victory every day of your life. I also learned the power of a lifestyle of worship because we worshiped every day. And the best part is I met Suzette. Hello. That, yeah. But what I'm saying is this. You are one decision away from a totally different life. I remember Suzette and I, after we got married, we were living in Dallas. And I remember as a couple, we just felt like the Lord was telling us, get your finances, get your house in order. And it was just a step for us. It was just a move to the adjacent possible. What happened is a few months in to getting everything in order, we had no idea what was coming next. I get a phone call from a friend asking if we would come and and minister throughout Europe with he and his wife. We spent a year in Europe in ministry. You know why? Because we, we took a step which made us able to take another step. You know, sometimes we think when God is telling us to do something that he's, he's cutting us off. Or maybe he's even letting us down. But can I say to you that God closing one door is his way to get you through the right door. Hello. Closed 
doors are just as valuable as open doors. I believe there's some of us today that are, we are on the verge of a next step. We are on the verge of an adjacent possible. It's not, it's not huge, but it's gotta be on purpose. It's gotta happen. And I don't know where you are in your life, but I just believe the Holy Spirit has something to say to everybody that's in this room, to everybody that's listening to this message. Maybe you've been toying with the idea of should I, should, should I surrender to Jesus? The answer is yes. It, it's just a step, but it's a step that changes your life. Should, should, I, should I just go ahead and say to my soul, I'm gonna be in church, like all the time. I'm just gonna be in church. They open the doors, I'm gonna be there. I'm just gonna do that. It's just, it's a commit, but it can make all the difference in the world. You might be toying with the idea of, you know, can I, can I pay tithe? And the truth is, it's just a step. It's just a move. And you have no idea what it's gonna open up for you. Come on. Sometimes when we, when we hear the idea, cut the rope, it, it almost feels like, do I have to delete something? But I actually, I think, yes, sometimes it does mean that. But I think it's the idea of, Get up, pick up your mat, start walking in the direction you want to go. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hey, I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads, please, and would you close your eyes? Father, I sense destiny on today. It's Mother's Day. It, it's a day for us to consider, to make that move, to take that step, maybe to cut something off, maybe to step into fresh, just a step. And I'm praying for everyone. Maybe someone's being called to go to school. Maybe someone's being called, God, to move in to what you are doing in the earth today. I am praying for every person under the sound of my voice that we would hear clearly Jesus saying, just cast your net on the right side of the boat and watch what I'll do. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, maybe you're here today, you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Come on, let's make that move. It's just a move today that can lead to another move tomorrow. Maybe you're here today and the truth is you know that you're not where you want to be, where you used to be, where you could be, where you should be in your relationship with God. Today would be a great day for you to come back home. Or maybe you're just unsure about where you stand in your relationship with the Lord. If that's you, nobody's looking around. We're just praying together. Come on, it's just a moment. But in this moment, if you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to surrender to Jesus. So I know I, I need to come back. 
to the Lord. I just want to know for sure that I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? Would you just lift your hand real high? Say, that's me. Would you pray for me? God bless you. Come on. God bless you. All over the room. God bless you. It's just a step. That's all you need to do is just take the step. Anybody else? Anybody else want to be included in this? Thank you so much. All over the room. Hey, could we do this? This is for everybody who's raised their hand, but I'd love for us all to pray this out loud. So everybody join me. Pray these words with me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you, your love, your lordship in my life. I know I've sinned. I have messed up, but I come to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.